Welcome everyone to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, we're back with another episode of the podcast fresh off of the Bank of America Roval 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. An exciting weekend, a playoff uh, round of 12 cut, uh, cut line or cutoff weekend there. Um, and it was another race. I, I think I previously said we were done attending races in 2021, but at the last minute, uh, convinced the the wife to uh, to make the seven and a half hour drive up to the Charlotte area and uh, take in the the Roval is our second uh, road course race of the year. We got to go and see the Daytona road course when that one dropped into the schedule earlier in the year. Um, so kind of very similar, obviously way different tracks. Uh, but uh, my first, it was our first time out to Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know you were previously there a couple of times. Most notably in, uh, what, 2018 for Ryan's victory in the very first uh, Roval 400 there at Charlotte. So um, got some good advice from you, sat in the Turn 1 area, got to see the cars go in and out and around the and around the track. So great vantage point there. Um, sat around a great group of fans, and uh, the weather was great. Ended up being a great weekend, and the race, um, being a cutoff race, was filled with all the excitement and drama uh, that I think anybody could really ask for. I mean, yeah, the the finish right at the end stretched out a little bit, but everything leading up uh, as the stages went on, as the incidents happened throughout that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, made it for a very memorable weekend. And dare I say, probably one of outside of um, the Daytona uh, race that Ryan won, probably one of our favorite races that we attended all year long. My wife posted uh, on, on Twitter, two dogs with little boxes of popcorn and they were eating their popcorn. And that, that was us all race long, all the drama, uh, the excitement, uh, you know, and you got to see it live, which is really, really cool. Um, I gonna say one of the incidents I think happened right in front of you there. Um, so and we'll talk about that. I'm sure, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the weekend itself worked out great for Ryan and, um, he did everything he needed to do and the team did everything they needed to do and we're on to the next round. And, um, it was a, it was a great day. They did, uh, they raced pretty well all day. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this one. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right ahead into our review of Ryan Blaney's effort in the bank of America, Roval 400 this past weekend at Charlotte motor speedway, Ryan Blaney race recap, Charlotte motor speedway, Roval. All right, let's get it started. Uh, stage one was uh, lap 25. Stage two ended at lap 50. And of course, the full distance was 109 laps. Competition caution coming at lap 10. Ryan was starting P6. And um, Roger Penske was there. And uh, he got jumped on the radio, wished everybody luck. Um, you know, uh, they're just worried about keeping it clean all day long. You know, they wanted to, Ryan said that we're going to keep it clean out here and, uh, you know, keep the front end on it, keep the nose on it. And, uh, see what they could do. So, um, they had, uh, Josh did have a little bit of help. I guess mule was there helping spot like certain area and in, in the infield there, um, lap one, uh, the 11 leads and Ryan gets himself into fifth, 
you know, those restarts are really interesting when they bank that left-hand turn and go into the infield uh, portion of the track uh, because, uh, you know, if you're on the outside, you actually can make some hay you know, depending on what's in front of you. Uh, lap two, he passes the 20, gets up to fourth. Um, Penske early on, uh, the two, the 22, the 12, right up there in the top five. Um, he passes the two on lap four, gets up to third place. Uh, he's uh, about four and a half, five seconds back of the 11. Um, and the laps are about 85 seconds. So that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, they stay that close, you know, uh, and it's lap times are only a 10th off the leaders, which is really amazing when you, when you look at, uh, an 85 second lap, you know, um, some of the cars start to pit right before the competition caution. Uh, this is that alternate strategy. I know if we talked about it at the end of the podcast last week, but the couple of the cars on the bottom of the cut line are looking at the cars at the top of the cut line and, uh, they, they figure, figure they have to win. So they were racing the race backwards, as they say, trying to get inside a pit window with some track position by the end of the race. Um, and then the caution comes out at, uh, lap, uh, 10 there, uh, the 20, the 20 gets a penalty from, uh, his, his pitting. So, uh, he ends up having to drive through like a drive through, uh, the 22, the 12, uh, you know, uh, lead them off the pit road there and they, they stay out, you know, so, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan's strategy is, is stage points here. You know, let's, let's rack up some stage points. So the 22, the 12 stay out, they're worried about stage points. Um, there's about a seven or eight car buffer between the guys who stayed out and the guys who pitted. Um, so that kind of helps too, because once they get spread out, it, you know, gets harder to pass a guy. Um, you know, Ryan's on the outside of the front row and, um, uh, on the restart passes the 2022 20, and gets up to first place. So really kind of a cool thing to watch that 12 car, uh, navigate, uh, front of the field. Huh? I was a little bit excited at, at this point. Uh, may have, <laughs> I think we were already on our feet for the restart already. And I kind of knew it was going to happen, um, because he was very strong on this first restart. The first, the, on the initial start of the race made up some spots there. This restart, obviously on the front, front row, um, was aggressive again, took the lead there. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit more as this goes on, but um, you, you mentioned that Ryan said ahead of this race that, you know, they wanted to keep the fenders on it, the nose on it, and be careful. Um, going forward after this first stage and all this stuff, he was very, very careful on restarts uh, and had to make up some ground throughout this race, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But you could see a little bit of a difference where they're, they're playing for points this week. Um, I mean, obviously they want to win the race too, but points and advancing was definitely the biggest part in keeping those, those fenders together and no tire rubs and, uh, all the aerodynamics that they do need for this race, uh, intact was very helpful. And I think they did a great job. Yeah. Um, by, uh, lap 16, he leads, but, uh, and they tell him no one on new tires are actually making any kind of gains. So they're not really seeing any pressure from those guys who, who, uh, did pit, uh, lap 18, um, he's about a half a second ahead of the 22 and then the nine car within that lap actually passes the 22 for second place. Um, by lap 18, there's a caution for the six car. So they're staying out. Um, Ryan does say that he doesn't feel strong under braking, which, uh, they, they do some, some things to correct as they go on. Uh, they do stay out, uh, 12 cars behind Ryan also stayed out. So once again, he doesn't have to really worry about a lot of pressure from new tires. Um, the, uh, the 11 was speeding on pit row also. Um, 
Uh, lap 22, Ryan takes the outside for the restart, um, and the, the 16 is up there, and 16 gets a good restart too. Um, and within that restart of 16, doing all the little moves he made going into turn one there, Ryan does end up back in uh, third uh, with the 16 and the nine in front of him. The nine does win the stage, um, but Ryan third place, uh, in stage one. So right off the bat, let's, you know, let's separate ourselves from that cut line a little bit more. Let's make it. So our day is going to be a little bit better. And, uh, they do a great job on that. Definitely was breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief at this point. Um, one thing to watch though, especially in, in a road course race like this was just, if you were keeping track of the points as they ran, um, even with those stage points, I think at that point, Ryan was only like eight. He actually had lost to like some, not a position, but he was only like eight or nine points, I think above the cut line at that point. And it made me nervous. And then I realized a little bit, uh, in a little bit that, you know, Oh, just don't, don't really watch those. You have to wait and see how everything actually shakes out by the time they get to the third stage. That's when it's important because very early on, very misleading and could make you a little bit more nervous or upset than you really need to be. Uh, the TV, um, coverage of this, I think they had it messed up to tell you the truth. Um, I believe that they've not added the stage points right away. So the first, like after the stage had ended, they show those points and then they went to a commercial break and then they came back. And when they came back, it was totally different. So I think they screwed up and they had not entered, uh, entered the, the stage points. As a matter of fact, uh, um, at one point during the race, I think that right there when Ryan pitted from the, he was the leader on the, on that lap of pitting because he came in and he crossed his pit stall was, uh, on the other side of start finish. So he leads the lap and they come back from commercial and they show him as, as advancing, you know, he'd be advancing to the next round cause he's the leader. Well, within the, the cycle of the pit cycle, we know he's not going to end up being the leader, but at that point he led that lap and that's what NBC des- decided to use. So yeah, there was some misleading uh, points, things going on there. Um, Todd makes air pressure to help with the, with the braking. Um, and Josh lets him know that section one on pit road is where a lot of people are getting caught with the speeding penalty. So they're, they're going to be careful with this and, uh, you know, it may affect your pit stop and it may, you may lose a position or two on pit road, but the reality is, is one or two positions on pit road or, or a penalty and you have to go to the back are two huge things. So, uh, lots of teams, uh, pitted early at the end before that stage. So, um, they may gain a little bit with some tires, even though they're, they're going to be a little bit further back in the field. Um, they start off, uh, uh, 25th on that restart. And then by, you know, lap 29, they're 24th lap 30. They gain another position. Uh, the 77 car is kind of holding everyone up here. So once he gets around them, that, that kind of helps, um, lap 31, uh, he's 22nd or 21st place. And at this point, like I said, the TV shows them just above the cut line. But like I said, once they, once they get through some of these cars, it's not, not a big deal. Uh, caution at lap 33 for the 14 car. <clears throat> He's 21st and they're staying out. Um, and this is the point on TV where the drama starts to happen for the five and the 48 cars. Uh, battery issues, alternator belt issues. Um, some pretty amazing stuff that they pull off to fix that five car as the race goes along. Uh, not losing a lap or anything, but getting that belt replaced was amazing. And they did it all within one stop. I actually heard um, an interview with Cliff Daniels, their crew chief, and he said he actually made a mistake that they they didn't come down when the pits were closed. And he said they should have because no matter what, they were going to have to start at the back of the field. So he actually kind of cost them an extra lap there 
to to make some of the repairs that they needed to make. So he went through with the fact that they yeah had to make a a belt change. Which if anyone's ever tried to change their own alternator belt or anything, I don't know how complicated it is in a in a cup car, but it's complicated on your street car. And um and they had to make a battery change too. So amazing work uh, that these pit crews across the board, uh, the way that they train and everything they're able to do. And we keep talking about how points and everything. Um, there's people around us, and then also you know listening to the radio broadcast in my headset. Um, there's a point where Kyle Larson, you know, came into this race, you know, you know, dozens and dozens of points uh, ahead of the cut line, you know, six wins on the season at this point. And uh, he was below the cut line. And it's like we said, it could be a little bit misleading, but this was actually they were in the danger zone just because of the, the potential to lose ground here. And that would have really shook up the playoff standings if, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like when Harvick went out last year or something, you know, after winning nine races. So it can happen. But uh it was a little bit, uh, I mean, I wasn't scared personally because, you know, <laughs> that was an extra position Ryan could pick up. But right. um, but I'm sure a lot of those number five fans were very, very nervous. Yeah. They do the restart lap 36 here in Ryan's 18th uh, position at lap 37. He gains another spot. And at this point, he's 14 above the cut line. So I'm kind of trying to keep track of that. But, uh, you know, as these uh, pit cycles happen and guys pit early and, and so forth, it changes constantly. Um, he passes the 42 and the one on lap 38, gets himself up to 15 lap 40 is up to 14th at lap 42. He passes the 10 car. He's up to, uh, 13th. Then he passes the 41, gets himself all the way to 12th, um, lap 44 passes the 34. He's up to 11th, (laughs) just making his way right up there where he belongs. Um, the lap 48, some of the cars pit, uh, and he stays out at this point. So like, uh, he ends up the 18, the four, the nine, then him, the 12. So he ends up in the top five at this point. Um, at lap 50, uh, the eight, 18 does win the stage. And Ryan, once again, stage points, P4. And uh, this makes the rest of the day a lot more easier to breathe, I'm sure. Yeah, I was still nervous because I didn't know what the strategies were going to be. And it was getting toward the end of the stage, and he was outside of the top 10. And I was like, oh, maybe he's going to pick up one or two spots and only get one or two points. And then I realized that all these guys that were in must-win situations all pitted to stay off sequence. And boom, vaulted him up to the top. And at this point in the race, I'm like, okay, barring anything catastrophic, even if he just finishes you know, 20th or something, they're probably going to be in decent position to move on. So uh, they do take uh, four tires and fuel at this point, and uh, they gain 15 stage points in the two stages. So um, they do restart at lap 53 here, and, and Josh does tell them, just take care of the nose uh, the first couple laps because they're back in uh, 26 on this restart. So um, lap uh, 54 caution comes out, the nine car and the four car, and this is where the fun begins. Um I know from where you were sitting, um, the, uh, the, the four car hit the nine coming, uh, at the, the end of the inside, uh, of the track there would be like, uh, turn seven or something like that. And then what was interesting about it is he, he, he does punt the nine, but from what I gather, the nine went up on the, into what would be turn one of the, of the regular track and was aiming for the four. He was trying to return the favor right away literally missed the four and then he ends up taking the 41 car out uh with the move um 
Yeah, it was kind of a, a series of unfortunate events, <laughs> I would say. And um, uh, I don't like I don't really root against Chase Elliott. I think we've talked about this before. How it's more of a, I don't know, I don't even want to call it jealousy or anything. But I'm more excited when Ryan has more success than the, than the nine team does, just because they both came up together and basically got into the series around the same time. So, um, but it was uh, it was funny and. Uh, <laughs> I, I I thought the nine was done. I mean, the whole rear end of the car was ripped off. The, it was all crumpled up. They were saying on the radio that, you know, he thought the track bar was broken. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is terrific. Again, yeah. I apologize because I know there's a lot of Ryan Blaney fans out there that are also, you know, are fond of Chase too. So um, I don't wish him any ill will. But again, it was just another spot that, you know, yeah. could have made Ryan safer in the playoffs. And that's really all I care about at this point beyond any friendships Ryan might have, uh, you know, off the track. So. I thought he was done, but again, they, I don't know what, what they're doing over there at Hendrick Motorsports, but the way that they are, uh, their their crews are able to repair these cars and get them back out and running was impressive, and I'm sure Harvick um, thought that he had done what was necessary to get him uh, take the, the nine out of the race, but he uh, apparently did not uh, drive through him hard enough. So Ryan's up to 20th at that point. Uh, on the radio, they, they tell him to be cautious around the nine and the four, Ryan says, I'm going to get by the four as quick as I can. So I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and they tell her, tell Ryan, that's a good plan. You know? Um, so lap 59, he's in 14th at lap 61. He passes the four and gets to 13th at lap 62. He's up to 10th. And, um, you know, Todd gets on the radio, just tells Josh, Ryan, they're doing a great job. Um, you know, the 20 to the good at this point. So they said, just take good care of it. You know? Uh, lap 65, he passes the 42, gets himself up to ninth. And, um, he's the highest uh, of the people on his strategy. He's the highest guy up there, you know? So the people are on his pit strategy. He did a, he did a great job of passing the cars and getting himself up there. Uh, lap 71, he passes the 99 and the 21 up to seventh. And it was kind of a funny moment on the radio because Josh said something about these two and he's laughing. He says, these two on your right. <laughs> and Ryan says, they made a move. Josh says, yeah, right. <laughs> because I guess they were battling each other and they just didn't realize that Ryan just passed them both while they were messing around. Yeah, I think it was, they're actually going in between, um, I think it was like the the big track if you're turns three and four. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think they, there's a clip on this that I think I shared on the Team Blaney Twitter page of this uh, this happening is that I think, yeah, Ryan took them three wide and passed them by while they were battling each other. And I'm watching it. And, you know, like I was saying, Ryan was doing a great job keeping, you know, care of his car, taking care of his car. And this was kind of like a move that I thought was aggressive um, because he was riding behind them for a while those two while they were mm-hmm. kind of battling each other but i think he you know saw a, a spot where he could, might be able to take advantage of their battle and uh took them three wide and made the pass and picked up two spots in in one uh one take there so yeah um they do pat uh, they go ahead and pin at lap 77 todd says make sure that that's full of fuel um lap 78 to 15th and the 17th leading at this point at lap 79 he's up to 11th uh, lap 80, he passes the 47 up to ninth. At lap 85, he passes the 48 up to eighth. And then we got a caution for the nines debris. Shocker. Now, this is just irritating to me. I'm sorry, but they showed it on TV for two or three or four laps. How many laps that thing was flapping in the wind? If that was a Rick Ware racing car, they would have black flagged that. 
And those of us who follow Dave knows back in the day of Dave, that happened to one of Dave's cars. They would have black flagged him. They would have said, get in here, tear it off. NASCAR's excuse is horrible. Their excuses deals with, well, they're not required at a road course to have that piece. I don't care about the requirement of the piece. That piece falls off and flies into the air and goes up into anything, into the stands, into the car behind it, anywhere, and causes somebody else an issue. It's a safety issue, and they can cause uh, anything bad. Can you know? They can black flag anything they want based on a safety issue. So you know, what's the difference if that happened or Chase spun a three sixty in front of everybody and caused a caused a caution? You know. Yeah, this was pretty, uh, I don't know what to call it. I call it unfortunate. I mean, it was almost comical to watch uh, because, you know, it it actually reminded me, I think, uh, wasn't there a point on one of these road courses or something where they had some, like, data that would trail behind the cars as it was running on TV? It almost kind of looked like that, except for, you know, it was actually part of the car flapping in the wind. Mm -hmm. And you knew it was just a matter of time that it was going to come off. And I think for me, I was more upset just in the fact that, because it, uh, the position he was in, you know, he was, you know, three quarters of a lap down at this point. And if a caution comes out, the only car on the track that that caution benefits is them. And they just so happen to be in that in that position. So, you know, he wasn't going to uh, the crew wasn't going to, you know, go and stop ahead of time. They were they were probably, you know, back there you know, crossing their fingers, hoping that, that that piece would come off and it wouldn't just, you know, float into the infield, that it would just lay out there on the track. So, unfortunately, that is what happened. It came off. It ended up laying out in the middle of the track and they were forced to call a caution. You're right. Uh, Scott Miller, official from NASCAR, came out and did an interview earlier this week and basically said that, you know, oh, it's not a, um, it's not a required piece, uh, you know, in the past. We, you know, we will black flag them on a high-speed track, Um but there are plenty of times, he said, which, I mean, I can't necessarily remember, but he said there's plenty of times at a track like Martinsville or these lower speed tracks where we've let it go um, without uh, throwing a, a caution or, or, sorry, throwing a black flag to those teams. So that may be true. I can't necessarily, there just hasn't been a high profile enough incident. Obviously, this is very high profile because of who the mm-hmm. driver is. And I mean, I can understand they don't, I don't, I don't think that they didn't throw it because it was Chase Elliott, I think it could have been any of the playoff drivers and they probably wouldn't have thrown it because I think they just don't want to interfere. They don't want to be the ones that take somebody out of the playoffs because of a call that they made. So I think it was on their end, they thought it was safer. Um, maybe not safer, like you said, safer for the the spectators or the drivers, mm-hmm. but safer uh, in the public's eye to, to let it go until it just... But it's, yeah. It- it's it it is a road course, but it's not a regular road course either. When they get up into turn one and two, and are all the way back to that back chicane, they're still going 150, 160 miles an hour. You know, they do get it up to speed. And um, if that thing would have flew off at the right place, at the right time, the wind blows it, you guys would have caught it. Yeah, you know, and uh, that would have been real unfortunate. You know, because who knows what would have happened. But even if even if it fell off, uh, you know, in a chicane somewhere, and then the next car in hit it. Yep. You know, I mean, you ruin somebody else's day, and it's a safety issue more than anything else. It's a safety issue, 
And you're right. The top eight, they won't, you know, our top, top 12 trying to, you know, trying to race their win to the next round. I understand that, but really truthfully, you didn't fix it properly to begin with. Maybe your crew chief should have known that it wasn't necessary and cut it off to begin with, you know, because the first thing the guy did when they pitted with it is, you know, he yanked it over to the, to the other side and they put tape on it. You yeah. know, okay. All right. Well, that was your way of fixing it at that point, but he didn't do a good job of fixing it. So, you know what, bring it back in and fix it again. Yeah. And, and so I think they should have stepped in. So, I mean, last thing on this, I think uh, I heard someone make a fairly decent analogy. I think Pete Pistoni uh, from Sirius XM uh, said it was, it was similar to like an NBA referee um, where they, they hold on to their whistles at the end of a, <laughs> at the end of an important game. He yeah. said it was kind of like that. You know, they don't the officials don't want to step in and kind of ruin a championship moment or a key moment in a game by, you know, making a, a, a call. So he said he kind of uh, compared it to that. So I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of what it was and. Um, NASCAR came out and made their statement and that's their statement and they're, they're, they're moving on. So I don't know. That's the, that's the question of blatancy, you know, whether it was blatant enough to make the call, you know, whether it was so visible that you had, you know, it was there to make the call. Uh, It just, it's just that they lucked out because that piece didn't hit anything or anybody, you know, they, they really kind of lucked out. Yeah. And like I said, um, the way the, the part that I differ in is a lot of people saying, you know, Oh, it was NASCAR's golden boy. You know, if it was Dale Jr., they would have done the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with the driver. I think it had to do with the position the driver was in, and that's yeah, about it. Yeah. So, that happens, and um, and no, that wasn't the end of the drama for the day. <laughs> no, uh, lap eighty nine. Um, they, they do pit four tires there. Uh, they go in eighth, and they actually come out eighth, but uh, three cars stay on the track. The eleven, twenty one, and thirty eight stay out. Uh, lap 90, he passes the 10 and the 24 gets himself all the way up to ninth. Um, he passes the three car on the next lap, gets himself to eighth. And then, uh, the 93 goes, lap 93 is the caution for the debris. And, uh, they're, they, the lap 96, they restart from eighth. Um, and the one missed the chicane that this causes a little bit of a pile up, um, Lap 97, he's in 11th at lap. Yeah, he passes the three and the four within that lap, gets himself to ninth, and the four misses the turn. And this is another one that uh, I, w- I just got done watching radioactive earlier. And I was told that, that he was told the nine was closing on him. So he may have been looking in his rear mirror and really trying hard to not let the nine get close to him. I could be wrong, but I think he did. At this point, just a couple laps prior to this, you were mentioning Ryan moving up, and I think Ryan was part of one of the cars that got by him. So he had just before this lost two or three spots. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, as a fan, it was entertaining because, yeah, I'm talking to my wife as this is going on um, because the first thing I said when Chase kept going prior to the debris caution and everything, I said, you know, the nine and the four are going to fight at the end of this race. So it's going to be an interesting post-race. But then when he was able to catch back up after the caution, I said, okay, now it's just a matter of time because um, when Chase was behind, even with that uh, debris uh, about to fall off his car, he was running pretty quick lap time. So you could tell that the car was not hurt that bad. So it was only a matter of time before he was going to catch up. So we were just kind of watching as he ticked off spots and as as Harvick fell back. We were just waiting for uh, an incident to happen. Mm -hmm. And in the stands... 
you know, at least from our vantage point, and I even tweeted to you immediately, like, because I was kind of angry because I thought, uh, especially seeing how damaged Harvick's car was, it looked to me that, because um, you saw, and if you watch the replays too, Chase dives into that corner as well and smokes and locks his brakes up. So, you know, in the moment, and he kind of was driving across. I think the 20 was around there too. That could have mm-hmm. easily yeah. been uh, a part of this uh, catastrophe. But um, everyone, I think even the people all around us, thought Chase had just taken him out. And I said that to you immediately in a text message <laughs> that I thought, like, okay, they have to park mm-hmm. the nine at this point. Yeah. But then, you know, a couple seconds later, they show the replay, and you're like, oh, wow, uh, he never touched him. Never got near but, him. Yeah. He was getting near him, but. So yeah, I think he heard the footsteps. That's what I was going to say. There's a lot of theories out there. The The main one is, the, yeah, he, he heard some footsteps. You know, they were telling him that the nine was closing in. He's watching his mirror. Uh, Harvick's excuse was what the facts of that would happen. He had just lost multiple spots. Uh, the nine is gaining so that one of those free spots he was about to have to get into the playoffs or continue on in the playoffs is it's going away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot going through his mind. I mean, just... I don't, I don't know Kevin Harvick, but knowing Kevin Harvick all these years, I don't see him as a guy that's intimidated by other people. He intimidates other people. Yeah. So I almost side with him a little bit more. I think the tension was up knowing that the nine was coming, but I don't know that he was necessarily afraid. I think he did just make a mistake trying to gain some spots back. Uh, but hey, we'll never actually know because he'll never admit that he was afraid of anything. No, no. And, um, it, it was more comical. I think I tweeted on our on the Team Blaney account like that was embarrassing because I think it just looked embarrassing. You know, Chase never actually touched him. He nope. crashed on his own and took himself out of the playoffs. And so, uh, unfortunately, it was a fellow Ford driver uh, in Harvick there. Uh, it was the last hope there for Stuart Haas Racing. And uh, he is, after a nine-win season, which appears now to have been aided by whatever they found aerodynamically last year, mm-hmm. um that they didn't have this year, but nine win season followed up by a goose egg so far in 2021 and an embarrassing end to his playoff run while he's in the midst of a feud with NASCAR's most popular driver. Yeah. Well, we get the restart with eight to go. Uh, Ryan is ninth at this point. Um, he is being cautious on this restart because guys are starting to pile into turn one. Uh, so he kind of gets shuffled back a little bit to 11th. Lap 103 passes the 99, gets up to 10th. Lap 107, uh, the 24 goes off the track, and Ryan uh, passes him, gets to 9th. Um, Larson ends up winning, and Ryan ends up uh, P9. And way above the cut line, nothing to worry about. And, uh, you know, the the future is bright and sunny for for the next couple weeks at least. Yeah, so now with uh, at the conclusion of this race, that was Ryan's uh, 18th top 10 of the season. That ties his high mark of his career in top 10s. Um, he is still one uh, top five finish away from tying his mark in 2019. But then again, obviously, no matter what career year overall with the three victories that he has in Atlanta, Michigan, and Daytona. Um after this race, the playoffs have reset. Uh, the drivers that we uh, lost from the previous round, uh, Kevin Harvick's out. Christopher Bell is out. Uh, William Byron is out. Uh, William Byron, I mean, I know we don't we didn't talk about him much, but he led a, a mm-hmm. very large chunk of this race. Uh, when he missed that chicane, uh, that some of that was contact with Tyler Reddick, and I know 
Uh, the two yeah. of them had some words, not you know super angry words, but some words after the race. And then Alex Bowman, uh, he also had his issues. So Bowman, Byron, Bell, and Kevin Harvick are the ones that are out of this. Moving on to the round of eight, we have Kyle Larson holding down the top spot, plus 42 to the cut line. Denny Hamlin's in second. And this is where it's tight. It, you know, Har- or, uh, Larson has these 42 points on the field. Everybody else, uh, second through eighth here. Denny Hamlin, plus seven. Truex, plus six. Ryan Blaney, still, he is in the top four, which is kind of exciting. Just plus one to the good, though. Um, Kyle Busch is minus one to the cut line. Chase Elliott, minus two. Teammates Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski are minus 11 and minus 16 to the cut line, respectively. Um, I tell you what, the way this year has turned out, obviously Ryan's leading the way at Team Penske with three wins. His two teammates each only have a win each, but all three Team Penske drivers have made it to the round of eight here with a really good Mm -hmm. shot um, of either all three or two or at least one of them making it to the final four. Uh, the championship for at Phoenix. Um, I don't know that I saw this coming uh, early in the year, but they have found a way through strategy. They're not always the fastest cars, but when they are at tracks that they are fast at, they take advantage of it, and they're putting themselves in a really good position here as we enter uh, this next round of the playoffs. Yeah, I think we'll we'll get into it a little bit more when we preview preview Texas uh, and the next, uh, later in the broadcast, but uh, there are definitely some things that, you're going to have to do now from here on in. Um, but, uh, they're set up pretty well and, and, and they know how to do it. And that, that's the best part about what Penske's done so far. They figured out where they need to do and they maximized it. They did a great job at Talladega to get Joey and Brad back on the right side of things. And then the three of them together this past weekend did a great job of, you know, gaining the stage points the way they wanted to above all the other guys. And then by the end of the race, keeping it clean. So they got good finishes, and got themselves all the points they need to get to the right side of things. So, yeah, it's very exciting these next couple of weeks because the tracks that are coming up are actually pretty decent tracks for Penske. Um, the two mile and a half and even Martinsville, the, the three guys have led laps at all those places, uh, you know, this year. So, all right. So it was a great weekend this past week of the Bank of America Roval 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But why don't we go ahead and take a look back now on our weekly trip through the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. Up first for this week in NASCAR history, we go back to October 16th, 1949. Bob Flock captures the eighth and final 1949 Strictly Stock Championship race at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Red Byron is crowned the first Strictly Stock champion, finishing 117.5 points ahead of runner-up Lee Petty. Byron won two of his six starts. Up next, we go to October 16th, 1960. Speedy Thompson drives the Wood Brothers Ford to a big win in the National 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It is the first big track win for Thompson and the Wood Brothers. Thompson takes the lead with 35 laps from the finish when leader Fireball Roberts blows a tire and crashes. Now we go to October 17th, 1982. Daryl Waltrip wins the Old Dominion 500 at Martinsville and takes the championship points lead. Bobby Allison suffers an engine failure for the second straight race and trails Waltrip by 37 points in the chase for the NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National title. Up next is October 11th, 1992. 
Mark Martin edges Alan Kowicki to win Charlotte's Mellow Yellow 500 for his second win of the season. Points leader Bill Elliott departs with mechanical problems, leaving six drivers within 114 points in what has suddenly become a wide-open championship race. And finally, for our last tidbit here for this week in NASCAR history, we go back to a great day in 2006, Friday the 13th of October, for the Dollar General 300 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, when Dave Blaney, Dave Big Fun Blaney, takes his one and only NASCAR National Series victory in that race at Charlotte, the Dollar General 300 in 2006. He's given it all he has right now. This is great racing right here, man. That's good right there. Now he's... See if he can hold that line, two, three, and four. What a great run by Blaney, man. Has never won in the Bush Series. It's going to lose a little bit here, but... If... Oh, he's got it. Kevin he's got it. Kevin he's getting loose. Blaney. Oh. Back in now, baby. You know the best. Dave Blaney wins a wacky race at Charlotte. <laughs> And Dave Blaney finally getting out of his car. He was sitting in it just saying over and over, I just don't believe it. They're trying to get some better. You were saying you don't believe it. It's taking you so long to get here. You've been close so many times, Dave. What's it mean to you now? Oh, that was fun. Uh, that was a crazy night. We had a good car for a while, had a bad car for a while, and uh, you know, had a flat tire and got the lucky dog just at the right time. And, and I, I, I knew what I had to do to hold Matt off, but I didn't think I could do it. But, um, yeah, we got there, so it was way cool. And he pulled along the inside. You were hanging up on your, your line up on the outside there. Uh, yeah, that's the only way I could do it was pinch him down there and try to hold him. And, um, man, I wish uh, my wife and kids were here. They kind of missed it tonight, but uh, big fun. First NASCAR Bush Series win for Dave Blaney. And a night that will be remembered for a long, long time. Steve, the field for this Bush Series race was stacked. And I think it's worth going through some of the drivers that were in this field. Um, now, he's not going to be listed. Yeah, he'll be listed a little bit further down. But Dave actually wins this race uh, battling for the lead with uh, Matt Kenseth at the final lap. Uh, into the final turn, basically there at Charlotte. So Dave Blaney goes to victory in the number 32 car for Braun Racing. In second, Michael Waltrip. In third, Stacey Compton. In fourth, Matt Kenseth. In fifth, Danny O'Quinn Jr. In sixth, Johnny Sauter. Then Clint Boyer, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Mike Skinner, Ashton Lewis, Kyle Busch, Paul Menard, Stephen Like, Eric Almarola, Tony Stewart, Casey Atwood, Todd Kluver, Kenny Wallace, David Rudiman, Scott Wimmer, Bobby Labonte, John Wood, Ted Musgrave, John Andretti, Casey Mears, Carl Edwards, Jason Leffler, Mike Wallace, Brad Baker, Jamie McMurray, J.J. Yaley, Augie Vitovich, Brad Keselowski, Jeff Burton, David Reagan, Regan Smith, Reed Sorensen, Shane Huffman, Jay Sauter, Greg Biffle, Jimmy Johnson, Casey Kane. Dave Blady wins his one and only... Bush Series race of his career in the field is stacked with current at the time and future Cup Series drivers. Uh, it's insane to go through that list. And that night was so exciting for us Dave Blaney fans at the time. Um, something we had been waiting years for uh, during his NASCAR career. 
and uh, the excitement there uh, from Dave and the family in Victory Lane, uh, the interviews, just the way that he won the race. It was Friday the 13th. Um, he's driving that Haas Avocados car for Braun Racing. He had um, Trent Owens, uh, who's a crew chief now in the Cup Series, I believe, uh, as his crew chief uh, driving for Todd Braun. It, it was incredible night. It was his seventh start of the season there in 2006. So he made seven total starts. He had one win, two top tens, an average finish of 15th. Um, so pretty decent considering that those are back in the days. Obviously you saw that, uh, line up there when the field was stacked with cup drivers. I don't know if you can relate any of your experiences from that I, day, but it was amazing. First, I remember Harvick actually won the championship that night. He clinched the Bush championship that night. So, you know, they did an interview with Harvick after the race. Um, Michael Waltrip was pretty funny because he ends up finishing second and they were interviewing him on pit road and he goes, Hey, you know, stick around and inspection's not over yet. You know, <laughs> being Michael, he's funny as heck. He says, you know, who knows? Maybe me. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, it was great. Uh, great to see Dave smiling after a race like that. And, uh, Todd, I remember them interviewing Todd, uh, <clears throat> or I'm sorry, uh, Trent Owens and Trent's like, uh, yeah, victory lane is down there somewhere. I know where it's at, you know, <laughs> So they 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 had a had a night of uh, big fun. So that was great. Again, yeah, the Friday, October thirteenth, two thousand and six. Dave Blaney scores his only NASCAR National Series victory, and it was one for the ages for uh, the Blaney fans at the time. Mm. So that's it for this week in NASCAR history. Be sure to tune in again next week as we take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney weekend preview, Texas Motor Speedway. All right, Steve, it's that time where we need to go ahead and preview the round of eight opener this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. You can catch the race at 2 p.m. Eastern time on NBC, on the radio on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. The stage breaks for this race are going to come at lap 105, lap 210, and the checkered flag is going to fall at lap 334 for exactly 501 miles on the track down there in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, going into this race, uh, Ryan Blaney has a, a pretty decent track record when it comes to this racetrack. He's made 12 starts. He has three top five finishes, six top 10 finishes. Now, his average finish is a little bit misleading. It's 17.3, but a lot of that is due to the fact that his first uh, three starts there with the Wood Brothers were 42nd, 43rd, and 29 and then he also has uh in 2019 it says he he went out of the race with overheating i don't remember it exactly uh with the 37th place finish but all of his other finishes his last three there fourth seventh eighth prior to that a second in 2018 a race that he sat on the pole with prior to that fifth sixth twelfth and twelfth so like i said average finish is a little bit misleading plus steve will love to point out here uh he's led a ton of laps at texas yeah. um yeah so uh, in last last year's race, so not the all-star race that was earlier this year, 20 laps, the race prior to that, 150 laps, 45 laps, 40 laps, and 148 laps, actually, when he was back with the Wood Brothers in 2017. So um, I, I, I remember, does he have a an Xfinity Series win at Texas? If not, I remember a memorable race where he finished second 
uh, was got some early on in his career, got some congratulations from some of his uh, fellow, some of the fellow cup drivers from that night specifically. I, for some reason, it sticks out. I think Kyle Busch giving him a, a handshake or a high five after it early on in the career. But um, this has been a, a special track, I think, and one of those ones that he wants to go out and win on the Cup Series. And what a perfect time to maybe pick up that first victory in the Cup Series at Texas when it's the round of eight opener. And if you win this race, you get locked into the championship for at Phoenix. Um, according to Bob, uh, Bob Pockross's, uh, early math, um, he's starting fourth. Um, I can definitely see him, uh, within the first lap, you know, getting by, uh, on the outside lane, maybe passing one person and then just take that thing to the lead. Um, you know, this, this, uh, these next three tracks, like I said, they set up really good, um, for advancing in the, in the, to the final four. And, uh, the main thing is to win a race, you know, three of, you know, usually in these three races, they're won by somebody who's in the playoffs. So you want to be one of three guys that wins the race. And, uh, you know, if not, you want to finish top five, top five, top five, so that you point your way past everybody else, you know, get yourself some stage points in every race. And, uh, you know, of course they're going to start in the front with the, with the way the, the, the system set up right now without qualifying and so forth. So, um, being up there, staying out of people's messes. And then once, like I said, the Penske cars on the mile and a half are a lot better than people realize. And, uh, Ryan's led some laps uh, on the mile and a half. He's won a mile and a half this year, and I could definitely see him getting up there. And as long as he can get by that five car. Um, maybe have himself a day and, uh, you know, he has himself a day now and it takes all the pressure off the rest of the way, you know? And, uh, breaking stats news here. Uh, I did just look it up. He does have a victory. His last victory in the NASCAR Xfinity series came in 2018 at 2018 at Texas motor speedway. And he's led more than 700 laps in the Xfinity series at Texas. So, uh, between the Xfinity series and the cup series, hundreds uh of laps led uh probably almost nearly a thousand at that point laps led between the two series at this track so um if there's a time for him to win like i said this is the perfect time going in to this second to last round of the playoffs um even just to get some stage wins stage points all of that's going to be crucial uh because if you don't you're going to put yourself into a must-win situation when you go to martinsville not a bad place for Ryan either to have a must-win situation, but um, you definitely want to be pretty comfortable in points if you can be. Yeah, like I said, the the generally in these three races, the guys who are in that top eight uh, in the playoffs are are the three guys who win. Um, if somebody throws a monkey wrench in there and comes from you know uh, the outside the playoffs and wins a race, that that will make things more interesting. Um, but really what we'd like to see is, uh, at least these next two weeks, uh, green flag racing, no major cautions, uh, you know, no things that'll put them on alternative pit strategies. Um, you know, uh, people kind of point out Vegas when they're talking about Ryan this week so far about how good he did at Vegas, how he finished fifth at Vegas with, with Penske. And what really people don't realize is he was one of those guys on the alternative pit strategy. Now they pick on Hendricks. Uh, cars that uh, at Vegas because they didn't finish as well as they could have, 
but Ryan actually finished fifth with that strategy. So that tells you how good their cars are right now. And uh, people don't people don't realize that they were on that alternative strategy and made their way to fifth. So um, hopefully there's nothing goofy like that where they have to worry about an alternative strategy. Uh, everybody's on the same strategy because if that happens, I, I can definitely, like I said, see them staying in the top three or four and uh, hopefully making a move at the right time and, and getting by that five car. One thing to look out for, a couple of things to look out for this weekend are the fact that, uh, from what I understand, a cold front's moving into Texas over the weekend. So the temperatures are going to be a little bit cooler than they normally are this time of year for this race. Uh, so that might mess with some of the notes that some of the teams have. Also, uh, from what I also understand, they're going to use that resin compound on the track instead of PJ1. So again, it's going to be a little bit different. So the teams are going to have to adapt. The competition caution point is going to be important to see where the cars are at. And especially after that first stage, they really got to make some uh, advances in, uh, in their setup or changes they need to make to make sure they're set up through the rest of that race. Um, Taking a look back at the last several winners here, uh, you're going to see some familiar names over and over again. The last winner was Kyle Busch. That was his lone race victory in 2020. Austin Dillon won uh, the spring race there uh, when there were still two points races. Obviously, the, the first race at Texas this year was the all-star race that Kyle Larson went to victory lane at, but with a little bit different aero package and obviously different format. So it's not really as comparable as some of these other things. Kevin Harvick's, uh, we have to go back through the next several winners, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. Um, I don't foresee Harvick being that big of a force because, again, the, the aerodynamics with the Stuart Haas cars this year has been a little bit off. They've been better in the playoffs for sure, um, but I don't know that Harvick is necessarily a, a, a person that's going to go to victory lane. And then prior to that, Jimmy Johnson, Carl Edwards, both of them are out, but then Kyle Busch again. Uh, so Kyle Busch is, I think, somebody to look out for. Um, has been running fairly well towards the end of this season. Not necessarily, obviously, winning races, but has getting some solid top five and top ten finishes. And he's very, obviously, very, very good at Texas Motor Speedway. So again, this is the playoff opener for the round or the the round of eight playoff opener. Texas Motor Speedway this Sunday, October 17th, the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. You can catch it at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC and on the radio with PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Unlike last week, Steve, I am extremely excited to go over the results of uh, our Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, the results from this past weekend in the Bank of America Roval 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And um, I, I made a, a couple of mistakes here, actually, in my lineup. Uh, I did have Alex Bowman end up in my garage. He wasn't my, my starting lineup, but I actually had moved him out and I think I had Kyle Busch in the garage and moved him in because early on in the race, Bowman was having some some issues. Uh, but he did end up finishing better than someone else in my starting lineup, which was Martin Truex Jr. So I missed out on about 10 points there. But I, my starters were Christopher Bell, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, and I moved Bowman in the middle of the race out to my garage. Uh, bonus picks-wise, I had picked Chase Elliott to win. Uh, Kyle Larson as the top Chevrolet, so kind of hedging bets there. Ryan Blaney as the top Ford. Denny Hamlin as the top Toyota. Uh, Chevrolet as the manufacturer. And Hendrick Motorsports as the winning team. So I did end up with three 
uh, of the bonus picks there with Kyle Larson as the top Chevy and then Chevy as the manufacturer, Hendrick as the uh, winning team. So I ended up with uh, 205 points, which is not too shabby of a week, especially after the previous week where I think I had one of my season lows. So how did you, uh, how did things shake out for you on the NASCAR fantasy live, uh, league standings? Yeah. The, um, the same thing happened with Truex for me. I had Truex in there and I wish I would have made the switch because Byron ended up finishing, uh, I had Byron in the garage and Byron ended up finishing 11th. I made out with, um, Chevrolet and Hendrick, you know, Chevrolet being manufacturer and Hendrick being the top team. Um, but I, I didn't make out any of the picks. I had Chase winning the race and you know, Chase the top uh, Chevy, and that didn't happen. So um, other, otherwise, I mean, I had Kyle Busch uh, finish fourth, which was his best finish at the Roval. And uh, Logano finished seventh. Uh, Bell finished eighth. So I, I did pretty good uh, with the guys starting lineup, finishing in the top ten at least. Uh, I think I ended up five points behind you for the day so not too bad i did beat you that's true so let's why don't we go ahead and look at uh the the top 10 in points earned this past weekend at charlotte motor speedway for the roval once again again don't know how he does it he or she does it uh in first place clyde's chicken pit racing with 229 points in second in points earned we had no hesitation with 222 points in third the prime minister three with 221 points in fourth my team team blaney admin 205 points fifth your team as 12 with 200 six we have go larson with 199 tied for six is the nutty gamer as well in eighth bulldog 0277 with 198 points ninth blaney ft nascar with 194 points and rounding out the top 10 for points earned at the roval blaney's daisy with 183 points Let's take a look at just the playoff standings. These are the standings of just the playoff races uh, standing alone. And first, holding on the first place position now is Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing with 1,317 points. In second, Team Penske. In third, No Hesitation. In fourth, Spider Monkey. Your team, Mez 12, is in fifth with 1,274 points. Sixth, Doug K0525. Seventh, Moon Cup. Eighth, Supermod. Ninth, Bulldog 0277. Rounding out the top ten. Go Larson and my team, Team Blaney Admin, is holding down the 14th position, 1,179 points. And finally, we'll take a look at the overall Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League standings, counting points from the entire season, holding down the first place position as well in the overall standings, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. It's worth mentioning that Corey LaJoy is going to be running a Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing uh, paint scheme coming up here. I don't know if it's this week or or the week after, so keep a lookout for that. So uh, first place, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 6,367 points. Second, Doug K0525. Third, Blaney Kicks Beep. Fourth, Moon Cup. Fifth, Rogue Tough. Sixth, Spider Monkey. Seventh, your team, Mez12, 5,961 points. 8th, Go Larson, ninth Glitterbugs, and rounding out the top 10 is Vans 12, 5,916 points. And I, once again, I'm still mired down there in the 21st position, 5,636 points. Anybody, uh, I think I'm going to have, uh, I don't know how many starts left. I had Kyle Busch in my garage, I said, and I brought, I brought him up into the starting lineup. So I don't have a ton of starts left for him this year. Maybe only two, but... I think it might be worth starting him this week at Texas. Yeah, I got, um, you know, I'm looking at the five car. Um, 
I'm at the point now where, yeah, I'm going to run out of starts. You know, had they reset it for the playoffs, I'm going to run out of starts. I just know that I am, but uh, Hendrick, you know, Hendrick is really good at this track too. And everybody is right. You know, those 10, those eight teams that are eight guys that are left there, they're there for a reason. So, um, but I can see, definitely see the five car being the one to beat. And um, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping the 12 car is the guy that beats him, but you know, Overall, the lineup, you know, I've got uh, I've got Kyle and Denny in there too. So Kyle, Denny, Ryan, Joey, and then Kyle. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, <clears throat> just going to use up their starts now from here on in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, honestly, you can start the five car at any of these final races, and he could win in just about any of them. So Andy's starting on the pole for this race, obviously after winning this past yeah. week at the Roval. So. Yeah, so those are those are pretty much the locks. I think if you still have some starts left for Larson and Hamlin, Bush, Blaney, uh, Logano is another one that's good here. And Chase Elliott obviously has tons of motivation to try to go out and win a race after narrowly uh, making it in. Well, it seemed like it was going to be a narrow make into this round of eight. He ended up mm-hmm. uh, with a decent cushion, but um, he's got some motivation there as well. So uh, yeah, I mean the the things to look out for are are the guys coming out of nowhere. Um, and getting stage points in between these eight guys. But hopefully at the end of each stage, these eight guys are pretty close together and, and, and you know, they decide everything on the track, you know? Um, so yeah, I think the fantasy wise, it's, you know, look at these eight guys first. And then from there, maybe you'll, maybe you'll pick up like a Tyler Reddick or something like that. Cause he's been performing so well lately. Um, and in the next week or two, when you run out of usages of these top eight guys, you're going to have to dig a little deeper, I guess. I, I was just going to say Tyler Reddick is a, a value pick. And along with his teammate, Austin Dillon, they finished one, two. They had made some strategy moves to do it, but they're also pretty powerful. Um, one note that happened during this race, uh, Ryan had actually mentioned, I think when he was racing around the three car, he said mm-hmm. to Todd, like, I need to talk to you after this race about the three uh, he said that their their horsepower like seemed like yeah. it was off the charts, and you could see that uh, when they were making pass because the three was pretty quick early on, and uh, it seemed like he just had a lot of power. So I could visually see what Ryan was talking about, uh, but they do those those uh, ECR engines uh, coming out of that shop there are are pretty powerful, and they've run really well this year on tracks like Texas Motor Speedway. So yeah, Tyler Reddick's probably another person to consider for your lineup. So, Steve, I think we're just about done with the podcast for this week, but we do want to mention that we're going to have a special bonus episode of the Team Blaney podcast coming out this week. And who is our guest, Steve? Justin Bosch, the driver of the number 12 hauler for Team Penske. That's right, Justin Fatback Bosch. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll actually get some insight into how he got that nickname Fatback, which is also part of his Twitter handle. So if you, yeah, if you uh, keep watching or keep watching for the downloads this week after you listen to this episode, of course, first, uh, you'll see a bonus episode that will drop in the next couple of days with the driver, with the hauler of the Team Penske number 12 car. Um, He's more than just a, he's more than just a hauler driver. That's the fun part about listening to this interview. Find out when you listen, listen to some of the different things. They are more than just a hauler driver. They do a lot more things than, you know, and, uh, you know, they're over the wall sometimes and, and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great interview. Uh, he gave us, uh, you know, some great things that we never even knew about, uh, about what he does and, and what they do to help the team. So it's a, it's a really good listen. So look out for that in the next couple of days. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself 
or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that really dives deep in how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter, at Team Blaney, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Team Blaney, and on Instagram at team.blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You can listen to the podcast straight on Facebook as well, on mobile devices, and any of your favorite podcasting apps. To close out the show, I once again want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. They also have a very active Instagram account. And be sure to go out there and check it out. They're in their last couple weeks where they're trying to get some people to sign up for uh, the more important Team Blaney this month, the Team Blaney uh, team that's going to be walking in the walk to end Alzheimer's. So they're trying to raise money and awareness for the Alzheimer's Foundation. So go ahead and check out uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation on all their social media channels. Find out information on how you can join that Team Blaney walking team. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers, and we'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Dublin. Good night, Brussels. Team Blaney's going to win the race.